Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and as always, I'm so glad you're here. I know you could be doing anything with your time, and I'm thrilled that you are tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about coffee. Well, kind of caffeine, I guess, because we're talking about the impact that the caffeine in our coffee has on our fat loss. So this could be the caffeine in your tea, the caffeine in your soda, whatever. Every week, I send an email to the folks who have opted in to get my emails. They're free. And I share motivation, nutrition education, recipes, my workouts. If you aren't getting those emails, we can fix that really fast. They're totally free. All you got to do is text the word PRIMAL, PRIMAL, P-R-I-M-A-L, to the number 44222. So if you just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222, you will start getting those weekly emails. But anyways, a couple weeks ago, I sent one to address questions I had been getting about coffee and if coffee consumption could be the reason that some people are struggling to lose weight. And the answer is, yeah, it can be. But it's about finding out whether or not it is for you. So I got a bunch of questions in response to that email, and I want to take a deeper dive in it today. Look at how you can find those answers for you and factors like water and the coffee beans you choose or the ground coffee that you choose. You guys know if you listen to the show, I am a huge coffee enthusiast. I drink a lot of coffee. I'll be the first one to say, though, coffee might be slowing your fat loss. And I am actually, and I've shared this before, working on reducing my own coffee consumption for my health, for my sleep, for a bunch of different reasons. But it might not be an issue for you. You might be right at your sweet spot. At a minimum, however, there are some changes you can make to reduce the impact no matter where you fall on the spectrum. If you are somebody that needs to drink less to cut it out completely, there are some positive changes we all can make. So today in our time together, I want to help you figure out what is true for you. And as with most things, guys, there's not a black and white answer here that is true for everybody. It depends on what is going on with you. And if you're sensitive to caffeine right now, it doesn't mean you always will. It might be, for me, if I'm having trouble sleeping, I need to dial down the caffeine. If I'm under a lot of emotional or physical stress, I need to dial back the caffeine. So I want to help you find out where you are and what you need to do. And it makes me really crazy, like really crazy, when bloggers or podcasters or anybody implies that there is one set truth that's just true for everybody. While there are some things like, you know, we shouldn't eat arsenic, that's true for everybody. But most things like coffee, it's just not true that there is one set black 
and white. Now here's what I see. Many of you, many of you feel like you need to start the day with a stimulant like coffee to get you going, and then you kind of need to end the day with a depressant like wine or beer to, unrela to unrelax, to relax and unwind. That right there, that need to start the day with a stimulant and end the day with a downer, that right there is a bright, big, beautiful red flag that it's time to make some changes if you wanna be healthy and burn fat efficiently. Think about it. Your body is built to be alert when you wake up and relaxed when it's time to sleep. If you are feeling the opposite, lethargic when you wake up and wired when it's time to go to sleep, those are important signals from your body that something needs to be adjusted. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And we tend to mute those signals. We turn them off, we shut them out when we just rely on stimulants or depressants. When we overdo it, caffeine can switch us from alert to anxious. Any anxious folks out there? It can disrupt our sleep, and I know many of you have disrupted sleep, and it can create a state of overstimulation, on edge, over-emotional, basically hormonal chaos, right? And that has a big impact on our fat loss potential because fat loss is hormonal. But whether caffeine is helping you or hurting you comes down primarily to First, your ability to metabolize caffeine. We all have a unique ability. Some of us are better at it, some of us aren't, right? So our own unique ability to metabolize caffeine quickly and efficiently, plus the status of our stress response system right now where we're at. And as I mentioned, this varies. If you're going through something traumatic or stressful, your stress response system is already overtaxed. If life is great and your stress response system is like totally on chill mode, that's okay too. But the, the thing is to really know where you're at because coffee is a stimulant and stimulants impact your stress response system. So if your stress response system is currently in overdrive, coffee or any stimulant can impair your fat burning potential, increase your blood sugar, tax your body, right? Preventing necessary healing and recovery. If your stress response system is in good shape, moderate coffee consumption can be healthy because coffee is a great source of antioxidants and it can promote fat loss. But how do you figure out where you stand? I wanna share with you a few symptoms of a stress response system that's overtaxed or overburdened. If you have that tired but wired feeling where you're totally exhausted but you can't quiet your mind or slow down your thoughts or just relax enough to fall asleep, or just trouble sleeping in general, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, overeating in response to stress, anxiety and nervousness, sugar cravings, especially cravings for chocolate, and that kind of intense feeling of, I just have to have something sweet after a meal, like that urgency, right? Or if you're having regular crashes throughout the day or the feeling of just being burned out, or maybe you just have an impaired ability to manage stress or you constantly operate under a sense of feeling overwhelmed. And if you are saying, oh, that's so me, to a couple of these or more than a couple, it's probably time to dial back the caffeine, the coffee, the other stimulants. And I'm not saying you need to go cold turkey. That would suck. And I'm not saying you need to cut back forever. 
but a gradual decrease right now is probably very called for in addition to practicing some stress management techniques and prioritizing rest. At a minimum, it's worth the experiment, right? Like if it's as simple as just drinking less coffee to make yourself feel better, it's worth a shot, right? I want everybody to understand what happens when we consume caffeine. And even if you're not a coffee drinker, this could be your soda, your energy drink, your caffeinated tea. I'm definitely not discriminating against coffee because that would be inhuman and I'm pretty sure I'd be struck by lightning right where I stand. So you consume your caffeine. It obviously travels to your stomach and it triggers your hypothalamus, which is right by your brainstem. The caffeine, the stimulant, lets the hypothalamus know to tell your adrenal glands to release more cortisol. Cortisol being one of our primary stress hormones, right? When we understand this, it's clear that we can see how chronic overconsumption of caffeine can lead to adrenal fatigue because you're constantly taxing the adrenals with this never-ending stimulation, this constant instruction to crank out more cortisol. The presence of caffeine, in addition to telling the adrenals to produce more cortisol, it inhibits adenosine. And adenosine is one of your body's calming and relaxing chemicals, right? Now, your cortisol stress response, this trigger from the hypothalamus to tell the adrenals to produce more cortisol, this is different from your adrenaline stress response, right? So there's adrenaline, which is a stress hormone, and also cortisol. If you get rear-ended, or you have a near miss on the highway, or your child gets badly hurt, or somebody jumps out and startles you, you know that like, holy moly, my heart is beating out of my chest feeling? That's adrenaline. That is your acute, short-term stress response. Adrenaline actually makes fat burning more likely. It signals the body to use your fat as fuel. Cortisol doesn't. Cortisol to your body represents sort of like a more enduring stress, a more chronic kind of stress, which actually makes fat burning less likely. And our caffeine consumption triggers that cortisol, that longer term stress response. Now let's sidebar here for a second. And let me pose a question to you. Are you right now listening, driving, or washing your dishes or working out, are you more likely to overeat when you're stressed out? Are you more likely to overeat when you're stressed out? Or are you less likely to make good food choices? Even if you're not overeating, are you less likely to make good quality fat loss friendly food choices when you're stressed out? I am imagining heads nodding all around the world, right? This is no surprise. Most of us are more likely to overeat when we're stressed and at a minimum, we're just more likely to not make the best choices when we're stressed. And guys, caffeine, coffee, whatever, triggers our stress response, right? While blunting our relaxation responses. So if we're struggling with things like overeating or binging or inconsistency, we really have to consider that there might be a link with the fact that we're constantly triggering our stress response in addition to the other stressors in our lives, and that has a relationship to our food choices, our portion control, the quality of our choices, things like that. Another thing I want everybody to keep in mind is that our cortisol levels naturally rise as we 
get older. So what might have produced a small cortisol response in our 20s produces a more significant cortisol response in our 40s. So maybe you're drinking the same amount of coffee as you were a few years ago, or maybe your stress level feels like it's about the same, but that doesn't mean that your body has the same ability to handle it. When we are overstressed, when our cortisol response is on overdrive, right, we store more belly fat and we have a harder time burning it, right? This overdrive stress response sets us up for hunger cravings, especially starch and sugar cravings. And I want to just kind of summarize, and I will put this on the show notes over on primalpotential.com, the impact of an overtaxed stress response system, okay? Cortisol can in, uh, can decrease your metabolic rate by interfering with your thyroid hormones, okay? So when we are constantly triggering this cortisol response, that can decrease our metabolism. It also increases our cravings for carbohydrates. It increases our belly fat storage. It depletes our relaxation response and depletes those feel-good chemicals like serotonin, which makes carbohydrates more satisfying because it generates that feel-good response. It leads to blood sugar instability as well as irritability, and it stimulates our appetite while suppressing our feelings of satiety or fullness by suppressing that hormone leptin that tells us we're full. And on top of that, there are four times more cellular receptors for cortisol in the cells of your abdominal fat, your belly fat, than anywhere else in your body. So what that tells us is that our central adiposity, the belly fat around our midsection, is super, super sensitive and it's looking for signals from stress hormones. And the more stress there is, the less fat burning there is. And caffeine is one of the drivers of Cortisol. So guys, there's four times more cellular receptors for cortisol in the cells of our abdominal fat than anywhere else in the body. That's not a coincidence. Our abdominal fat, our belly fat is tremendously sensitive to this chronic stress. Now let's get real, <laughs> because there's got to be things we can do in addition to dialing back coffee, for example, because life would be tremendously unfair if surrendering coffee was the only option, and I'm getting a little bit sad just thinking about it. So even if you don't struggle with any of the things that I outlined above, there are some general strategies that help prevent our stress response from going into overdrive. And the first one, obviously, is dial back your caffeine consumption. And I'm leading with that one, and I'm taking my own advice because I'd be a jerk to pretend that there isn't merit to drinking less caffeine. There is. If you're currently having four cups a day, dial it back to three, right? If you're currently having a couple of pots, we're in the same boat. <laughs> dial it back in a way that represents an improvement for you. And don't drink caffeine within eight hours of bedtime. If your last cup is in the mid-afternoon, I want you to cut out that cup first, all right? There's also other lifestyle kinds of things we can do to quiet this stress response, and one of them is box breathing. Box breathing. It's a lot more simple than it sounds, and I wrote a detailed blog post on primalpotential.com on what box breathing is, how to do it, when to do it, and what this does is it lowers your cortisol levels. And I'm all about doing the things that don't involve cutting my coffee consumption because I want that to be like my last resort, but I will link to that blog post on the show notes, or you can just go to primalpotential.com and search box breathing. 
The other thing I want to suggest is drinking less alcohol because alcohol, though we think of it as something that relaxes us, it actually elevates cortisol, right? It triggers a stress response. And then, of course, and I've talked about this before, dial back, if you, especially if you're suffering from any of these symptoms that I shared, dial back stress inducing exercises like running and jogging, right? If you're trying to get your stress response under control, you'll benefit either from complete relaxation, taking a couple weeks off the workouts, or from doing lower intensity stuff like walking or yoga, uh, Pilates, things like that. If you're going to drink coffee, and I have no intention of stopping, but I am working on dialing it back, I wanna talk about some of the things you can do to still get the health benefits, because coffee is a great source of antioxidants, while minimizing the negative effects. And the first thing is an obvious one, but I think many people overlook at, overlook it, and that is the water. Many of us, I know I wouldn't drink my tap water, but I've used it countless times to fill up my coffee pot which makes no sense whatsoever. I don't do that anymore. I am a huge fan of filtering your water. I think this is incredibly important. And I talked about it in detail in episode 46, and I will link to that in the show notes, or you can just search 046 on primalpotential.com, and that will come right up. But think about it this way. Let's, let's just imagine I have a shower filter, but if you don't, all right, Think about what happens if you don't clean your shower for a while. I know in my shower, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, I would get these little pink spots around the drain or where like the soap goes and things like that. That is chemicals and minerals in your water. And if it's causing buildup in your shower after maybe a week to two weeks of not cleaning your shower, what does it happen? What does it do to your body when you're drinking it over and over and over? Or think about your toilet, right? If you don't clean your toilet for a while, and I'm talking about the water, what do you see? Maybe the red rings, maybe the brown rings, maybe maybe black mold. That's in your water. Please filter your water. I am a huge fan of one particular water filter company. I am not affiliated with them. Um, I actually worked with them uh, when I was in product development for a dietary supplement company, and uh, we sold their water filters. And so I've, I've done a lot of research on water filters and the high quality ones and the lower quality ones. So I am going to link to them on the show notes page at primalpotential.com for this episode. So if you just go to primalpotential.com, hit the podcast tab, you will see all of the show notes, including this one. They are um, they appear in the order of the most recent podcast, and I will link to that there. But one of the things I love about one of their water filters in particular, because it can be expensive to get like a whole house filter, like really prohibitively expensive for many people, but they have a great one that you plug into a wall uh, and basically you fill up the pitcher and then you plug it into this thing and it filters the water through um, a dual carbon filtration that's just really, really high quality and gets basically like everything out. And I use that to fill my coffee pot and I travel with it. So please, please, please filter your water. That is such a great way to make sure that you're not getting unnecessary toxins in the coffee that you drink. The second thing to consider is the quality of your beans. And if you're a coffee fan like I am, you've probably heard or seen online buzz about mold in coffee or mycotoxins. And there are a lot of 
alarmists out there, people who say, like, don't drink coffee, it's full of mold. And then there are people who are like, ah, don't worry about it. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I am not an alarmist, and I am not a purist, and I am simple. <laughs> but before I weigh in on my perspective, I want you to consider something. When you find an alarmist who says, like, everything out there is garbage and what you really need is this, the first question I want you to ask yourself when you see these kinds of things is, are they selling something? More often than not, when we see an alarmist trying to scare us, it is because they want us to do something, like buy their product. So they kind of have a very vested interest in scaring the hell out of us. So I'll let you draw whatever conclusions you want to draw from that. But toxins in coffee. All right. The toxin we hear about with coffee is a mycotoxin, and the result of the toxin or the presence of that toxin is mold growth. And if we consume too much of this mold, we can get sick. The first point I want to make is that these toxins are regulated. So when you sell coffee, you have to basically meet certain standards, thresholds. If it's over this percentage of these mycotoxins, you can't sell the coffee. Of course, you can argue, and you wouldn't be wrong, that any of these mold toxins are too many. But here's what we have to acknowledge if we want to take that stance. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It's not just in coffee. They're in grains. They're in oats. They're in beer. They're in wine. They're in dark chocolate. They're in raisins. They're in peanut butter. Guys, if our food grows outside in nature, there's stuff on it. Whether it's organic or not, like there's, there's mold, there's toxins. It happens. So if we want to take the alarmist position, then we better like get on board for bubble boy kind of living because you, it's everywhere. If you want to be an alarmist, you're going to have a really hard time. You're going to be very, very hungry, <laughs> like really, really hungry. And you might as well stop breathing, stop eating, and stop drinking. I think that filtering your water is a way easier step here because the toxins are everywhere. Now, they, they are present in coffee. They do monitor this kind of thing. If you are worried about it, don't drink coffee, but also stay away from wine, beer, oats, dark chocolate, raisins, grains, you name it. Another thing to keep in mind is that decaf coffee tends to be higher in these mycotoxins because the caffeine inhibits the growth of the molds. Um, and then, of course, instant coffee has more of these toxins than ground coffee or whole bean coffee. Uh, so I, I want everybody to kind of take an approach of like, there are things I can do to minimize this. But if I'm looking to be a purist and avoid it altogether, life is about to get really hard. So I want to share just a couple of general tips. And I will link to one of my personal favorite coffees over on the show notes page at primalpotential.com. Hit the podcast tab and you'll see the show notes right there. Don't. If you're, if you're really concerned about this, one strategy is don't drink decaf coffee. Another strategy is pick single origin coffee as opposed to a blend, because when you have a blend, just statistically speaking, you're going to be more likely to have some higher toxin, some lower toxin. You're not as much in a place of efficient quality control when you have multiple origins as opposed to single origin. The other thing is you can choose Arabica beans over Robusta beans because Arabica beans tend to have less mold, right? But again, to me, the water quality has more of an impact than the quality of the beans, but there are always things that we can do uh, from making better choices in terms of the beans or drinking less coffee 
filtering the water. My bottom line here is know thyself. Some of you should probably not be consuming caffeine due to your sensitivity to it or due to your sensitivity to stress or the current level of physical or emotional or mental stress in your life. Some of you should probably be drinking less. I fall into this category and I'm working on it for sure. And we have to keep in mind that it's based on an improvement for us, not some all or nothing mentality. And some of you are probably just fine and you don't need to change a thing or maybe you just wanna start filtering your water, right? In life, it is never about the perfect approach, but rather about the approach that represents progress for you. So if you want those links to my coffee recommendation or some books to better understand the impact of cortisol and how you can bring your cortisol levels down, the blog I wrote on the breathing that lowers cortisol, it's just a really simple breathing exercise that you can do in a matter of minutes, or books on hormone balance in general, the water filter I mentioned, all those links will be over on the show notes for this episode at primalpotential.com. All right, what I ate yesterday. What did I eat yesterday? Uh, oh, I, I put cream in my coffee yesterday morning, which I don't really do, but here's why I did it. Well, one, I like it, it's tasty, uh, and I, I rarely do it, but I did it yesterday. I had a, a workout coming up, and I was a little hungry, but I don't like to have food in my stomach when I'm working out, because it's just not very comfortable for me. So I wanted a little something in my system, so I opted to put some cream in my coffee, then I had a a cardio interval workout that I knew was just gonna be a little bit taxing with some rowing and some running, but I didn't want anything in my stomach. And then afterwards I made some salmon cakes, super easy. The 21 Day Sugar Detox Cookbook has a great recipe for salmon cakes, which you can actually Google. If you Google 21 Day Sugar Detox Salmon Cakes recipe, it'll come right up. I started with that recipe, but I'm a simple person, so now it's just like a can of salmon, an egg, a tablespoon of coconut flour, boom, done. And then I had some leftover Brussels sprouts that I hadn't eaten the day before. And dinner was Indian takeout, lamb and veggies, nothing special, super simple, the way I like to roll. Anyway, I hope you guys found this episode helpful. If you have questions, let me know. I'm always here to help. And I'll be back soon with another episode. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.